independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. We're nothing without plants and animals and insects and microbes and clean air and clean water. No matter how smart we think we are, without those things, we're nothing. How can awareness of sustainability, even if just among a minority group of people, eventually reach a tipping point when it can then create a ripple effect and break into the mainstream? What does it take to create stories and documentaries that leave people feeling deeply inspired, empowered, and moved to action? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To sign up for Green Dreamer's weekly highlights that I write myself and send every Sunday, just head to greendreamer.com. We now also share three social and environmental wins to know for the week. And personally, I've really enjoyed getting to know the cool things people are doing, breakthroughs we're having, and positive actions being taken that we can take inspiration from. To join me in staying in the loop, again, you can just head to greendreamer.com to sign up with your email. For now, to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is a self-taught documentary director, writer, cinematographer, and editor. While growing up in Australia, he was really struck by how documentary films were impacting the way that he lived his life, which motivated him to get behind the camera and use that as a creative medium to have a positive impact on others. His first feature film, called A Simpler Way, Crisis as Opportunity, has received over a million views on YouTube and continues to be shown at community events and festivals around the world. And in 2016, our guest teamed up with Antoinette Wilson to create Happen Films, which is a documentary production company that focuses on sharing inspiring stories of sustainable living in the hopes of empowering people to make change in their own lives. Green Dreamer starting off with what inspired his love for nature. Here's Jordan Osmond. I think growing up, I'd always enjoyed being in nature and going on bushwalks and just exploring the natural world kind of at my early teens I kind of went away from that a bit it wasn't a huge part of my life until my late teens I got into photography and taking um, like landscape photos and photos of animals and birds and got really into that at the same time as I was getting into that hobby I was getting into watching documentaries as well we watched um, one in class at school and it was kind of, yeah, I hadn't really seen a interesting documentary before. It was always <laughs> kind of boring educational things in science class or whatever. But this one was um, 
it was Bowling for Columbine by Michael Moore. It was like, wow, this is a um, pretty powerful medium for telling stories. And that got me into watching more and more. And I was discovering more about the world and the problems, um, the issues facing the world, like climate change and the extinction crisis, deforestation, all these things. And I felt like I wanted to do something to contribute to helping fix those problems and so decided that I wanted to learn how to make documentaries. I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker and use that skill set for doing good. So I I got a a cheap camera that I had for photography and learned how to use the video functions and slowly taught myself how to film and edit and what makes a good story, what makes an interesting story. Just basically taught myself how to make films by watching YouTube videos (laughs) and uh and reading about it that was kind of my education into that i did get into a a university course to study film but it would have cost me around forty thousand dollars all up over the few years to study it and i thought i could probably do that myself so (laughs) that's the path i took yeah yeah so you mentioned that you initially had watched other documentaries that were just kind of boring, they were maybe purely educational, and then you watched some other ones that really had a lasting impact on you. What do you think Mm. were the differences between the two types that you came across? Yeah, I think before seeing documentaries that had real impact, it was it was purely kind of, yeah, educational things that you'd watch in school, and it was pretty dry and boring. But then seeing these Films like uh, Food Inc. was another really big film for me that I saw when I was about 16 and that really opened my eyes to the food industry. I noticed my behavior changing. I thought uh, I started being more conscious about what I was eating and realizing how the effects that that has on the world around me. I, I think what makes a good story is being able to connect to the people that you're seeing on camera and also telling a story in a way that's not just delivering dry information but taking people on a journey over over the course of watching the film ideally leaving people inspired which is one thing that I found was missing in a lot of these films like I would gain some level of inspiration from seeing a documentary about how bad climate change is but then I would also feel a bit despairing at the end of it thinking this is so big can I even do anything about it how do I you know, take this energy of wanting to do something good and invest it into something that would help change the world. And I think that's been a real big inspiration for Happen Films for us is that we want to tell inspiring stories and we want to feel make people feel empowered and up, uplifted and um, feel like they can do something because they can. It's not okay, these big issues that can only be solved by governments and I'll just keep living how I am because there's nothing I can do. I don't believe that at all. I think individual action has a huge impact and it's that collective individual action that then has large negative effects as well as the possibility of having massive beneficial effects. So for a good story to be told, it needs to... You need to care about the people in it and you need to hear their story and you can't just give people facts. If you say this amount of land is deforested each day and these amount of animals are going extinct every year, you know, you just give all these numbers, 
people don't relate to that on the same level as they do when you see someone experience something and then you can have a direct connection with them. I'd, like facts are important, of course, and they contribute to you know informing a certain worldview and helping you make decisions about what to do. But I think generally people connect with other people and they, they need to care and not just hear the numbers about how bad things are. Right. So you had personally experienced the ineffectiveness of um, documentaries that just kind of gave you the information and preached at you or were too doom and gloom that made you feel helpless, like you couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. On some level, those doom and gloom and kind of alarmist films, this in some way they're motivating, but I don't think most people would find inspiration from that. It's too easy to shut down and think that's too hard. I completely understand why people in certain positions can't take on that kind of information if they're just hearing if we don't do anything climate change we're going to the world's going to warm by 4 or 5 degrees um you know humans might go extinct we're going <laughs> to there's going to be food crisis you know if you if people who you know work a full-time job have kids and have no time to kind of invest in this kind of thing this is too much to take on and it's it's trying to create change through fear which I don't think will be what drives the change. Mm. And I think if it was driven through fear, what we end up creating will just be kind of more of the same and we won't be going far enough to creating a better, more sustainable world. It'll yeah. be based on fear and control and the same issues that we have now will just be replicated in the future. With so many people, maybe even the majority of people, just struggling to live their day-to-day -day lives with a lot of other more personal issues that they have to prioritize, it's likely that people won't want to voluntarily process all of this doom and gloom information. Yeah, definitely. I'm completely sympathetic to people who are in um, more difficult situations. Um, I feel quite lucky that I do have the time and I was in you know, a space a headspace at the time where I could learn about this stuff and I was open to it. People who might feel overwhelmed by reading about this stuff and it's easier to not think about it and continue doing as you were doing than actually think about the impacts of climate change. It's probably because they either don't know what to do about it or they feel like what they do isn't worthwhile it's not up to them to make changes it's up to businesses or governments also just feeling like your life life might not be as good as it is now or something like people might be worried that we'll be going back to the dark ages and we need to always move forward with technology and everything and um the things you have to sacrifice yeah i think you know you you do there is some level of sacrifice i think if we're going to create a sustainable world we will have to sacrifice some things but i don't think sacrifice equals hardship or depriving yourself of the pleasures in life i think it can actually create more of the things that create a better life if you sacrifice needing to have you know a new iphone each year or a new car a big house then you've got more time, you've got more freedom because you don't need to 
keep working 50 or 60 hours a week to pay for all these things that are trying to meet a need of, I don't know, security or connection or some level of success, whereas the real need isn't being met. It's trying to be met through consumption, but if the need was met through friendships or a career that was truly satisfying to the person, then sacrificing these material possessions is worth it because it can lead to more satisfaction and a more fulfilling life, I think. So for you being a filmmaker, uh, you mentioned that you're intentionally trying to inspire people and inspire action, show people that uh, there is hope and there are things that you can do right now. Um, you're always trying to get across certain messages or stories that you learn and you also want to relay onwards to your audience. What's been your greatest challenge in getting your messages out there through film? I think probably the greatest challenge of getting widespread attention to these this kind of media is that you, you need people to voluntarily watch it. They need to be able to click on the video and then and watch that instead of something else that's, you know, like a funny video or something that's entertaining. You need to want to learn about this stuff. It's easy to kind of reach people who are already on this path. And that's, I think that's great as well. That's most of our audience is people who, you know, have gone through some personal transition and are wanting to change their life or they're wanting to draw inspiration from other people and they're already on that journey. I think the biggest challenge is breaking through into kind of the next layer of society of um, people who aren't into this or don't really care about climate change or all these issues. That barrier of needing to actively seek out this material when there's so much available online there's there's endless amounts of entertainment and media you can consume and also the fact that a lot of this media isn't attractive to mainstream outlets like tv stations or other more conventional media outlets where they have advertisers who are funding the network and need certain messages shown and others not if it's going to you know one if one of our main messages that we try to get out there is about needing to consume less because the planet can't support the level of consumption that um, us in the first world consume we need more earths than we currently have full of resources to sustain that level of consumption and so we're saying that we, we need to lower consumption if we're going to live sustainably which isn't very attractive to advertisers who are trying to sell their products. So I think that's why platforms like YouTube have been so amazing because this, anyone can upload there. It's completely a level playing field. If you create something that is good and then people will find it, there's no barrier to entry there. And the same with um, funding sources where a lot of our income comes from donations and Patreon and people buying the one film we sell at the moment. And having those avenues, we don't need to rely on the funding bodies who need to agree with our message to then send money so we can make this thing. And our values aren't compromised or uh, changed to meet anyone else's demands. We can say what we want and it's completely open and up online and people either are drawn to it or they're not. And But it seems like people are drawn to it and really find value in that. 
So you can more so focus on trying to shed light on reality rather than rather than being influenced by some bigger company trying to get their agenda or message out there. Yeah. And it's all it's such an amazing time to be a filmmaker or a creative person because of these technologies that are out at the moment, like YouTube, like uh, Patreon, crowdfunding. Like maybe 10 years ago, we wouldn't be able to do what we do because those pathways weren't there or the camera technology was so much more expensive to get any decent quality. And so I think we're in a really unique and exciting time for creative people to be able to get their work out there and it be seen. Earlier, you talked about how one of our biggest challenges is uh, really breaking into the mainstream because at this point, it's still maybe people who take a special interest in sustainability who will voluntarily seek out this information. But at the same time, we need to break into the masses. And I know that is our biggest challenge, but what do you Mm. think we need in order to have this breakthrough? The people who are open to it and are already on this path need to just keep doing what they're doing and live their values, keep creating change in their own world. By doing that, you have a widespread effect on people around you, family and friends and society at large. It's, a, it's like a ripple effect. Mm. And there's a, there's a statistic I've read that I need to find the source of again because it was a few years ago, but I bring it up quite often, is that in order for large-scale societal change to occur, there's a tipping point of you need something like 15% of the population to take up an idea. Mm. And from then it's like the domino effect. It just, that's the tipping point where it then will become a mainstream idea. So you've got these radical idealistic people, the early adopters in the beginning who then grow that enough to then get to the 15% and then those ideas become accepted more widely. So I find that quite exciting yeah, and that motivating makes me hopeful, as well. Because yeah. 15 is still a minority, but once we hit that point, it can kind of just take on this ripple effect like you mentioned and really spread across the population. And I think it's it's happening. Like So much is going on out there in terms of people pushing for change and um, creating solutions and trying to pioneer these uh, a sustainable way of life i find it so inspiring and i think we'll get there it's what keeps me motivated is that yeah it's easy to get caught up in doom and gloom and you can feel despair and i still get in that state of mind sometimes reading you know a new climate change report that comes (laughs) out hearing about the the state of things and then you hear how emissions have grown over the last year globally and you hear things like that and you think, oh, we're so, we're so far away from where we need to be. But what keeps me motivated is the knowledge that we still have time. We still have enough time to create these changes, even though they need to happen quickly. We can't avoid climate change. It's already occurring, but we can avoid the worst of it. There's still time to heal the damage that has been done. And it really feels like there's a groundswell occurring at the moment. And I think as long as people don't give up and give into despair and think, oh, okay, it's too late, which is another thing that I've seen from more mainstream outlets as well as this kind of doom and gloom headlines of, oh, no, the world is screwed now. There's nothing we can do. 
it, it, before it was, I know climate change doesn't exist or it's not going to have the effects that it has. And now all of a sudden, oh no, it's too late. We've passed the tipping point and there's nothing <laughs> we can do. But I don't think either of those stories are accurate. There's still time. These changes need to happen. And it's just exciting the amount of yeah, the amount of energy behind this movement. And I feel like it's so close. I feel like we're almost at that point where it's going to be more widespread. And we're all in this together. And what we can do as individuals is to leverage uh, our own circles of influence and really help support this ripple effect. Definitely. And I think like there's no point in trying to force people to change because you'll never do it. If someone tried to force me to do something... I would be, oh, it's not a motivator for changing. I think the best way to do that is live your example and then the people around you um, will pick up on that and will maybe start a conversation around that. If you create a life for yourself that other people can look at and say, wow, that looks satisfying. They look happy. I wonder what, what they're up to. And then a, a conversation begins instead of, you know, you need to do this because the planet is dying. You need to, <laughs> you know, don't eat this, don't use this. And then using fear and guilt as a motivator if you do that. Whereas I think the motivator needs to be the belief in creating something better and more satisfying. And I mean, it sounds kind of, yeah, like the motivator needs to be kind of love really for love for the planet love for humanity and everything, every other creature that we share the earth with rather than fear that humans are going to go extinct or my life's going to be worse or not, not from that point of view, but for a point of view of like, we can create something better than what we have. And what we have right now is a reflection of a common belief in growth, in bigger is better. We need, you know, globalization. We need all these things. And that's the world we have reflected. The crises that we're facing were created by certain stories they're a reflection of those beliefs that we then live our lives from and so that's what we're trying to do with happen films is contribute to telling another story there's another way to live on this planet there's another way to be that isn't destructive and at the cost of all other forms of life on the planet i love that and also when you do it out of love, as cheesy as it sounds, it <laughs> on a personal level, it also can make people's lives feel more purposeful and meaningful, like they want to do it rather than, you know, feeling threatened into doing it, which may not be as sustainable of a lifestyle choice than feeling like this is what I want for myself. Yeah, for sure. So you've filmed a series on permaculture and also have a more recent feature-length documentary called Living the Change. And the whole concept of permaculture and regenerative agriculture really fascinates me because essentially it encourages us to go beyond the, you know, simple organic versus non-organic as the standard, which is, it doesn't really give us a lot of information. It just pretty much means that, you know, no synthetic pesticides are used, but doesn't tell us information about the soil health, biodiversity of that farm, and, you know, balance and health of that ecosystem. So what got you first into uh, looking at regenerative agriculture? Things like agriculture, uh, regenerative agriculture and permaculture were so immediately attractive to me when I came across the ideas is that here's like a real solution and here's how humans can be a force of healing instead of destruction and extraction, which 
conventional agriculture is based upon. And even some organic agriculture is just kind of, you know, it's a halfway point. You've got conventional agriculture, which is on the left, which is destructive and extractive. And you've got kind of organic, which is somewhere in the middle. It's not really adding anything and it's not really taking anything away. But we're at the point now where we need um, regeneration. The earth needs to heal and we need to restore the things that have been depleted. And so how do we do that? And that's where re- permaculture and regenerative ag- agriculture come in is that it goes to the, the right side of that scale where we're adding back more than we're taking. And we're considering not just how do we meet human needs, but how do we meet the needs of the web of, of life around us? Because you can't meet human needs without supporting the ecosystem around it we're nothing without plants and animals and insects and microbes and clean air and clean water no matter how smart we think we are without those things we're nothing and so we need to foster those things and heal those things and that's the only way that we will have a sustainable society is if our food source is sustainable because that's where so many of these crises come from is it comes back to food and so if if we can address that side of the equation you know there are many areas of society and people's lives that will be affected by the changes to come but the food system is such a critical and key part of it which is why a lot of our films are focused on food it's so it's your immediate connection to the land and how it's sourced and how it's grown is so is so important. Yeah, it's almost like uh, even if someone didn't care about the environment or about sustainability or about climate change, these things still will impact everybody's health because mm. we need clean water, clean air. We need uh, you know healthy soil so then our foods can be nutritious. We don't want toxic chemicals in our food. So either way, like whether people want to be selfless or selfish. We need to care. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And both a scary part at the moment and also an exciting part is that a lot of these problems are see- we're seeing are proving the point that everything is interconnected. Like how when we throw away a plastic bottle and it ends up in the ocean and then breaks down over decades and then those microplastics go into into the water and then the fish eat it and then the bigger fish eats that fish and then someone in a restaurant somewhere now has plastic in their system because of that fish. While that is terrifying, <laughs> it's also kind of inspiring in a way that if you look at it from the other way of, okay, maybe this small thing that I'm doing has a wider impact. Maybe I plant uh, these certain trees and create a, a little system in my backyard where insects can live and the birds come there as well there's so many connections that come out of that that we can't even comprehend of how much you know a simple act of restoring something or healing something or planting something how much that kind of ripples out and this whole idea of treating the farm as a holistic ecosystem rather than a machine with inputs and outputs like what most of industrial ag- agriculture has become and even organic agriculture uh, this holistic mm. concept isn't really new this was more so the norm before we industrialized our food system so do you think that in order for us to move forward towards a more sustainable future also requires us to learn from these more so marginalized ideas and also learn from our past? 
Mm, yeah, completely. I think there's so much knowledge from you know indigenous cultures or even just kind of even more recent cultures, like if you, just from a couple hundred years ago. There's a lot of knowledge there that is sadly being lost, but is also kind of being relearned. And that's all permaculture is really. It's nothing new. It's just the taking of lots of traditional information and new science into some into this kind of one framework of looking at things. Here in Australia, Indigenous Australians have been living here for, you know, it keeps getting older, science, scientists keep discovering new things. <laughs> but something like 60,000 years, Aboriginal people have been using the land here in Australia, which is, I can't even comprehend that <laughs> amount of time. But you're, <laughs> it's crazy that generally people aren't like questioning, okay, how do we, you know, they knew something, how do we learn from that? And it's similar around around the world where indigenous cultures are still existing. There's a lot of wisdom there and knowledge and that is specific to that piece of land, which is at odds with the industrialized method where you can just apply standard practices and machinery and you're looking at the land as just a resource to harvest, whereas each piece of land is different and needs attention and observation and connection to actually know how to farm it. It's even even within regenerative agriculture and permaculture, you can't just apply certain practices to any bit of land. It's so variable from climate and region and microclimate, soil type, rainfall. You need to know the piece of land that you're on and then act from that rather than applying a methodology to the land because we have a lot of environmental impact assessments that say like, oh, this is the best way of doing this and this is like not so good. And there are also numbers to prove that. But in reality, every bioregion is really different. So we can't just apply that one conclusion, even from research, to every ecosystem in the world. Yeah, it's, it's kind of general. Yeah, the thinking that you can apply anything to anywhere is if you look more widely at society, how kind of cities around the world look pretty similar and they're the same building techniques and kind of the dominant culture spreads its way of doing things around the world and at the cost of all this local knowledge whereas we need that local knowledge if we're going to create a sustainable culture and society. And knowing the importance of uh, localized knowledge, what do you think we can do as individuals to help preserve them and also to learn from them going forward? Well, the exciting thing is generally, even though this more local and traditional knowledge knowledge has been kind of pushed to the margins, in most places, I bet it's still there. And there are still people who know these things, whether that's elders in your community, um, whether they still have knowledge and want to share it. I've, I find that people who are kind of in this space and care about the environment and everything they're just so keen to share what they've learned and they're so excited to see other people do it i think that's why it's so easy for us to make these films with people because i don't think anyone's ever said no i don't want to be filmed <laughs> it's everyone's just so excited to share this and so connecting with people in your community locally who have been practicing kind of an alternative way of living have have some of that knowledge still there i'm sure we'll, they will be happy to share it and then then you can have that knowledge and share it and it's the ripple effect again you can 
revive something back from the margins and bring it more so into the mainstream. Well, we would, of course, love to watch your films and learn more from you. So what is next for you and where can we follow your work online? Yeah, we've got an exciting project that we'll be doing early 2019. The working title is Sustainability in the City. So a lot of our films in the past have been kind of had an, a, a rural focus. If we're going to live sustainably on Earth, we need our cities to be sustainable too because that's where most people live. And so we're going to be doing a series of short films that explore that, you know, food systems, uh, housing, community, waste, all these things that are really exciting. There's a lot happening in cities and there are a lot of advantages to cities as well, even though currently most cities are unsustainable. <laughs> There's a huge potential there, I think. And so if people want to see that series when it comes out or check out all of our other films, they can go to happenfilms.com or I'll just search Happen Films on YouTube and we've got about 30 videos up there and we've got two feature films available as well. This podcast wouldn't be here without you, Green Dreamer, so just wanted to say a sincere thank you for being here. A few people asked if we have a Patreon page so they can support the show on an ongoing basis, and the answer is now yes. If you've been finding Green Dreamer podcasts helpful in any way and would like to contribute whatever you're able to, you can head to patreon.com slash greendreamer. We'd love to be able to keep the podcast going, as well as share more resourceful content on our new blog on our website, so your support would be so immensely helpful and greatly appreciated. Again, to become our Patreon supporter, you can just head to patreon.com slash greendreamer. For now, on to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? Uh, there's a guy, you might have heard of him. His name's Rob Greenfield. Yes. He's, uh, yes. Well, his episode is actually coming out the end of December or so. By the time this episode comes out, it will already have aired. So, uh, yeah, listeners can check it out. I think it'll be episode 98. Uh, awesome. Looking forward to hearing that. I mean, I follow a lot of people and I draw inspiration from that, but I always love when I see what Rob's up to. He's just such a inspiring person and really cares about his values. And when I see something that he's done, like how when his bike got stolen, he found the person who who did it instead of, you know, calling the police on them, you know, talked to them and, you know, found out that they've had a hard life and everything and went about that situation with so much compassion and care and love. It makes me want to be a better person For when sure. I see that. Uh, what do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I think kind of what we were talking about previously is that we still have time to make these changes we're so close and i think we're on the cusp of something really exciting that we just need people to to make those changes and to come together in their own small ways you don't need to have massive impact and massive you know power to create any change just through your small daily actions in your life you create change what's one thing you do for your health either daily or weekly as much as possible i try to get out in nature. You know, I enjoy being in the city, but I also need time out in the forest as well. There's something rejuvenating about it. You just, I just feel refreshed when I spend time going for walks in the bush and being surrounded by the 
chaos of life and <laughs> just the amazing natural world. What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I'm always thinking about how I can uh, change what I'm doing. No one's ever going to be able to change overnight and suddenly live sustainably or live completely how they want to. I think it's a multi-year journey. It might even, It's probably a lifetime journey, really. One thing at the moment is that I'm more focusing on than I have in the past is reducing the amount of waste that I'm creating and keeping recycling down as well because recycling is not really a solution. If you can just re not even have that thing that needs to be recycled in the beginning, that's much better. So I'm thinking about ways to produce less waste and then the waste that I do produce, how can that be reused You know, through compost or those kinds of things? You mentioned this already briefly, but what makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? With making these films, I always feel uplifted after spending time with the people in the film. Sometimes I, f I feel like I'm walking on a kind of balancing between despair and hope sometimes, <laughs> but always ultimately come back to the hope side because there are so many amazing people out there doing cool things and the solutions are there. It's just so close, I think, to be yes. able to creating this better world. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Follow what excites you, where, where you feel your, your gifts are best used and your skills and where you feel you'll be satisfied, kind of listening to that internal compass about where to go rather than perhaps being all in your head and, think, and thinking, okay, what's the most... What's the best impact I can have for the world by kind of analyzing it? Follow your inner compass and see where that leads. Even if you don't know where it'll end up, just follow that curiosity, I think. Follow your inner compass and curiosity. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable takeaways from this interview and the full show notes with links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 114 for episode 114. You can reach me with feedback on how we can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane, as well as on our new podcast account at Green Dreamer Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support our work, again, you can head to patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you you from the bottom of my heart again just for being here and for your support finally as we're wrapping up just remember now more than ever our planet needs your light to thrive so if you haven't yet hit subscribe and i will catch you later green dreamer <laughs>